This week, we're discussing AI and gaming and discussing Xbox's potential to push their games beyond their own consoles. This is the Good Game, Bad Game podcast. This is a song I wrote about the Good Game, Bad Game podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Good Game, Bad Game podcast. I'm your host, Spencer. With me is a man who has unlimited power. It's my co-host, Mike. Mike, how you doing? Yeah, you think you're cheeky, huh? (laughs) Yeah. More more power now than I did yesterday. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just goofing. (laughs) I'm really happy to have you back. Joke's on you. I got an episode off. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and now, and now this just to, as I like to always do, give a peek behind the curtain. This is a pre-record because I was not available uh, the week that this episode comes out to do our normal recording. So basically, it's like you get well, no, you just get a week off. That's just yeah, how. That's just bad. recording right now. <laughs> what? Whatever. All right. Um, I really, I really missed you, uh, doing the journey into games with my brother. Um, I'm excited to hear it. It was fun. It, it was fun, um, to, to like, you know, especially cause it was my brother. Right. So like, um, I kind of knew and expected a lot of his answers and stuff like that. But anyway, uh, at the end of it, uh, I, I was saying, you know, hopefully you'll be good and, and you'll be back for this episode and all that. And, and we'll do the you know, current events of the week we're recording, despite it being a week <laughs> prior for when the episode comes out and all that shit. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I was like, and if Mike can't, I'm going to have to figure something out. And my brother threw his, his hat in the ring. And um, I just wouldn't have wanted to do back-to-back episodes with him, if I'm being totally honest. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm at least appreciative that he took one for the team. <laughs> uh, but I'm happy you're here. Tell me about your past week in games. What have you been playing? Um, well, I guess the, the the big one is I beat Phantom Liberty. Oh, nice! Final Let's go. Play. Um, awesome. Loved it. Loved every second of it. So good. So good. Um, though I'm glad I thought about it. Um, I guess I'm going to say this is kind of a word of caution and not really a spoiler. Um, if you don't, if you go down a certain path and you don't finish doing everything else in the game, like it's it's literally just game over. There is an end game. <laughs> Um, fortunately, I got very nervous and created another manual save. I don't think it would have mattered. I think I still could have, like, gone into my main save and, like, Mm -hmm. loaded back. But I was very surprised by that. But also a nice little bit of closure. Did you happen to, not to get too into Cyberpunk, but did you happen to go back, I can't remember if we talked about this, and, like, uh, go to like play 
the end game of the base game again by chance i have not done that again since the first time i beat it so it's like a uh well i don't know i don't know if i want to spoil it for you or not should i go back and do it um yes and then let me know when you do because I believe I think there's a new option there, or it's one that I didn't recognize having been there previously. Okay. Like you know what I'm talking about when you like go to um Yeah. Yeah. You're talking to Johnny. On the rooftop. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um yeah. So when you're there and you like have your when you're making your choice for which end game path you want to go down of the main game, there's I think a new option, and I don't know when it got added. It probably wasn't technically Phantom Liberties, but um when I loaded up Cyberpunk again to do Phantom Liberties, I was trying to figure out which save to use. And so I just opted for, I thought I just needed to like do that and like, whatever. Anyway, I ended up on that rooftop again at the point where you can make your decision because I believe that was a manual save I had used that it could do the different branching paths. And I realized that what seemed to be a new, um, a new option. And... Hmm. Uh, it's very interesting, so I, I would recommend. Did you do it? I did. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And it's not. It's that. not very long. So. Unfortunately, I don't have a manual save at that point, so I'll have to go back and do the whole song and dance. But that's fine. Well, uh, it should at least put you that you like are going up the elevator of. Yeah, members. Yeah. And yeah. And that's just really a dialogue, I think. Yeah, you can just skip all that. But yeah. I, I, I would like to have that conversation. Figure out if, if I'm crazy or not. But I don't want to say anything in case it was actually new. Because it's very, very interesting. Yeah, I'll do that before the next time we record. Um, but yeah, so you liked Phantom Liberties overall? Yeah, yeah, I, I thought it was really good. Um, I was really overwhelmed. And this was just... With the two point, obviously two point or the two point one upgrade, mm -hmm. but like, I, don't know, I was a little overwhelmed with things changing. But I think I got it pretty well figured out. Um, but yeah, really enjoyed it. Now I'm just going back. I have a couple gigs that I still have to do for Mister Hands, so I'm just working on those now. Nice. Yeah, so that was really good. Played that. We'll continue playing that, I'm sure. Um, and then, actually, when our power went out the other night, um, we played Mario Party on the Switch, just like on the actual device itself with Joy-Cons. <laughs> and that was kind of fun. Nice. Uh, so we did that. Um, and then last night... This will probably be a shocker. Can I, I can I guess? Yeah. I think I I think I have some semblance of an idea because I got a notification uh -huh. that my friend Mike signed into PlayStation Network. Yes. So uh, what were you doing? I was playing Spider Man Two on my PS Five. Nah, you're lying to me. Yeah, I'm full of shit. Woo! Um, Woo! <laughs> I, 
I got really nervous because the package that I sent you was a PS5. So I was like, if you is actually that, already have one, I. That right. <laughs> oh man. No, it's not. <laughs> Could be, according to the weight on the USPS website. No, definitely not. Well, I don't know what 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 weight did Shelby set all that up? Uh, a PS5 weighs know, about but... fifty pounds, so. I don't know that it actually says anything. Oh, okay. Anyway, what game were you playing? Sorry. Um, we set the PSVR up again. For the oh, first nice. Time for, for, well, not the first time in forever. The first time in a while. Um. Uh, we, I, I, well, a couple of things. I got it set up. Of course, I had to do like hours of updates. Of course. Um, and then played some Beat Saber, which. They must have updated because it plays so much better now. Really? Yeah. Like it's it's noticeable how much better it is. Um so we got that set up. We got the PSVR set up. And then I also was going through the PlayStation store, which on the PlayStation 4 is just such a nightmare. Mm-hmm. It's so bad. It's so slow. Um but was flipping through it. And I saw that Miles Morales was on sale for like 20 bucks. And I said, okay, I've waited long enough. I still don't have a PS5. I really want to play this game. I'm just going to get it for PS4. Nice. So I went to buy it. And then I saw it was included in the PlayStation Plus collection. So I'm like, okay, what would it cost me to get the PlayStation Plus collection? And what games are on it? And I saw Ghost of Tsushima was on there. And it said, like, for the rest of the year, which for me, that's until September, I could upgrade to extra for, like, $36 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, there you go. That gets me those two games and then probably some others. Um, I think the new um, Horizon game is on there as well. Yep. I don't know what that's going to look like on PS4, but I can at least try it. Yeah. It's definitely uh, worth we'll it see. if you it's definitely worth it to, for like the sense that you could just upgrade, right, for the remainder. And if you like wait long enough, enough games will be on there that will warrant and make it worth it if that makes sense. So yeah. That's dope. I'm I'm excited. I was impressed with their collection, honestly. Yeah, they have a lot. I mean, again, like it it in a lot of ways, it rivals Game Pass. I would say in terms of quality of games, I I think just like the thing that helps set Game Pass apart is one, you can like if you do Ultimate and pay the the price, you can have P, uh, you can have it on PC, um, as well. So like it can like span to another system if you have it. Um, which is like great value. And I think, I think because PlayStation hiked their prices, um, I think ultimate is like cheaper than the premium, which premium only gets you the remasters and classics and all that stuff regardless. Um, but obviously day one releases also is just like such value that you don't even get close to getting on playstation like if, if you if you got spider-man 2 and got to wear ragnarok and stuff like that day one it's like 
then I, I would say they're equal, you know, and in, in value. And then for me personally, PlayStation is like quite clearly better just because I'm a fan of all those games. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, I'm happy that they do it. I, I definitely get a ton of benefit out of it. Yeah, I if if I had a PS5, I would probably keep the upgrade because I just pay for Essential mostly so I can keep telling myself I'm going to play the Vita <laughs> and PS3 and PS4 games I've gotten over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I had a PS5, I would definitely be paying for at least extra, I think, is the second tier that I, that I got. And then there's a premium or something like that is yeah. the third tier. Yep. Yeah, which premium isn't, I wouldn't, uh, premium isn't worth it just for the fact that like all you're getting by going from extra to premium is like PS1, PS2, and then certain like remasters slash remakes for PS4, PS5 will get locked behind the premium tier, even though they're, I don't know, it's like, it's. It makes sense, but also it's like a little convoluted with the thought process. Um, but just for those things alone, I don't think it's necessarily worth it. But when you think about it from the mindset of like, it's just like three extra dollars a month or something like that. I don't know what the actual math is. For me, I'm just like, whatever. I don't really care. And like, if I get to play, I'm trying to think what game I played. One, it's helping me for my 100 uh, platinums for sure but also yeah, you can't put a price on <laughs> yeah you can't put a price on that but uh what did i just play was it like the resistance game or something like that i played because it was on premium and it was leaving um so i don't know it's it's like it's one of those things where it's like i'm tell i'm gonna tell myself that i'll get around to playing these like ps1 ps2 psp classics and stuff um but i still really haven't dipped into it quite yet because there's just so much on the on the extra tier alone to play through Yeah, when I was going through, there was like only a handful of games I saw that were only available on premium. One of them was Tearaway 2, which I thought was interesting. Um, oh, that is weird. Don't know why that one. That, I mean, that game's one old, two wasn't really ever that big. Um, so just weird. I think I bought that game, so it doesn't really make a difference to me. But Right. Well, cool. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to hear. I'm excited to hear you're back on on PlayStation and getting the opportunity to play through um, some of their first party titles. Yeah, I figure uh, while I beat Cyberpunk, I might as well find something to do other than getting back into Starfield. (laughs) I think I just like. I was playing Cyberpunk. And I was really thinking about Starfield because that that was going to be my plan. I was just going to jump right back into Starfield, mm-hmm. and just going from one massive game to another feels so daunting, especially when Cyberpunk is just so much better. In I, my opinion, I no, I I hear you. Um, I think that definitely makes a ton of sense. And honestly, you have a really nice palate cleanser with Miles Morales because it's not. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, it's not overly long. It's not overly large. Uh, it's it's kind of it's. I think it still might be like the perfect uh, game of the three Spider-Man games that are out now. It's like it, it's it's 
it does exactly what it needs to do it, it is like the best way to put it it's not necessarily the best one but it achieves what i think i want in a game the best if that makes sense i don't know mm -hmm. um but yeah so that's like a that's like a perfect game i think to like jump from like this massive open world game to something that's a little a little more linear obviously you can go around and like do all like side stuff and there's collectibles and things like that but it like it, it moves so so well so Nice. Uh, anything else? Um, I feel like there was something else, but now I can't remember. Um, yeah, we'll leave it at that for now. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah, I thought it was a good good assortment. Um, <clears throat> yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think there's yeah some exciting stuff to to hear about. I uh, I didn't really trying to think if i played anything too exciting um i don't really think so i kind of was back into hogwarts legacy and then um i talked about it i think two weeks ago or something like that um how i'm trying to do 100 platinums that are like solely on the playstation plus um like library of games and um, I did get to play some absolute dog shit, but I also played uh, Jet the Far Shore, uh, which is like a longer game. And it was one that was interesting. And like I, I thought I remembered at the time when it was like getting announced and stuff like that or when it first came out, I thought it looked good. So I got to play that. I played this game called Omno and both of those were pretty fun. Um, but like other than that, I was playing like my friend Peppa Pig. Um, Love it. Yeah. And uh, trying to think what else. Um, one thing is uh, Shelby and I are going to be jumping back into It Takes Two uh, because even though I already own it, it's it's leaving um, it's leaving the PlayStation Plus like library. So it's like the whole like challenge that I have in places that like I have to platinum a game while it's at least on the service, regardless of if I own it already or not. But I also need to earn a majority of the trophies this year. Um, so it's kind of like a little like cheeky one, because even if we don't get around to it by, I think, well, it'll be by the time this episode comes out, it'll already be off the service. Um, but as long as we get around to like platinuming the game before it's off the service, in my head, I'm like, it counts for the 100. So, but yeah, I really, I played a lot of different games, but I didn't really play anything else that's like worth talking about a ton. So, all right. So there's been some, well, I guess it's been relevant for a while now as AI has kind of come into the, the forefront of a lot of conversations. Um, and naturally... It's also crept its way into uh, the the video game space. So I thought, uh, especially as it seems to be a, a heavy topic of discussion here of late, um, and something that we haven't actually really talked about, I don't think a ton, um, just like what some of the general concerns and also potential benefits, I think, um, 
AI could potentially have in the video game space. Um, again, I think a lot of people are understandably very excited about AI, but I think there's also reason to have a ton of reservations about it. Um, so I thought we could take a little bit of time and just kind of give our thoughts that that everybody wants to hear. Two white guys giving their thoughts on how something is going to impact others. Sure. <laughs> um, who, who better but us? <laughs> so I guess, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. Like, should we talk about, I guess, the obvious concerns for it? Yeah, I mean, we've, we've talked about this to some degree of nauseam in, in previous episodes, but, um, you know, I think there are some very potent points given labor disputes in other industries as well that has kind of started to merge with AI and video games. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess just that some of the things I know we've talked about in the past is using AI for like redundant background art. Mm-hmm. Like you think about the original Mario game where the clouds were just white versions of the shrubs, mm-hmm. the bushes that were on the base level. Like, okay, placing that stuff, you don't really like. I doubt there's a human that really wants to do that. Um, over like actually designing something new and creative, mm-hmm. which again will always should at least always be a market for that. Um, and then of course with um game preservation uh, i know we talked about this beforehand um and decided to cut it from the show but i think just calling it out quickly what nvidia is doing um basically with ai scaling with um i think it's with their rtx gpus i know they're calling it like the rtx program or whatever but mm-hmm. just allowing some upscaling of existing games right good use case i think in my opinion um and then we get into like voice acting uh companies thinking that because they paid an actor or actress once for their voice and they can create a model off of it and use it in future products without paying them no bueno yeah and that's actually like major forefront because there was a deal that i that was just struck to basically allow for ai to be used in um voiceover instances yeah and i think with consent okay sure and but there should regardless of consent or not be royalties of course who it was uh sorry go ahead i was just saying it's it's a likeliness issue at that point do you remember the story that like troy baker was basically like reading a dictionary and like recording mm-hmm. it, and then he was going to like basically use that effectively and like give that to like uh developers. It, it was him, right? It was Troy Baker who was doing yeah, that. And was. like and he was saying that like that way uh he can be in like all of these different projects without actually like because it's like too much of a time suck because he was in everything there for, you know, a couple of years and he was talking mm-hmm. about doing something like that. And it's just like that like you know it makes 
somehow I can wrap my head around that more so than, you know, this use of like AI to completely cut out the the person and like the work therein that is done. And like to your point, that's just like, you know, if a deal can be struck where if you're going to use my voice, but I'm still going to get paid for it, you know, great. You know, I don't care. That's fine. But yeah, it's, you it's know, the idea of being able to like skirt the line of like of actually having to pay somebody. And I think that's that's where rightfully so a lot of people get so upset with like AI discussions. Right. I mean, you could use I mean, hell, you could have an intern at a at a developer read the dictionary and then just use AI to augment the voice however you want. Mm-hmm. And then you never have to pay voice actors again. Um You know, I don't think that's necessarily a good use case. What I was going to say was this could be an awesome opportunity for voice actors because they could have passive income through this. Like, just read a dictionary in your regular voice. Right. And then it can be augmented. However, a developer needs it once they buy, like, the right to use it. And I think it would have to be on, like, a one-time use basis. Right. Like, you don't get it in perpetuity. Right. Yeah, you essentially sign a contract for one game, and then you have to keep doing that if you want to reuse that person's model. It sounds great in concept, but like you just know, like you know, we all know that it's just not the it's not the point or purpose or what anybody's true goal actually is when it comes to utilizing AI. Right. Again, it's like it's it's almost always used. I think, especially in the in the in the way that we're talking, it's always used as a cost cutting maneuver. Obviously, AI and machine learning and stuff like that has been in games for a while, right? Like when you are going against the computer in Pong, essentially. Yeah, like yeah, right. Like when you're going against the computer, you are going against some sort of AI. You know, like if you're playing Madden, the you know you're against the AI. and stuff like that. Um, so it's not to say like, you know, if somebody ever says like AI has no place in video games, it's like, well, you're not taking the, you're, you're not necessarily taking a, a necessary nuanced approach because obviously as AI improves, there's so many amazing use cases for it in, in gaming, especially. But when it comes to the artistic side of things and the actual um, creation in that sense, in the art sense, um behind it it's 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 somewhat depressing that we look to to try and remove the human behind that um with ai and and there's a really interesting i think this like perfectly sums it up um which is it was uh magic the gathering or, or it was wizards of the coast who i believe are behind magic the gathering and they were they were releasing some like uh, promotional art and you know everybody got up in arms they were saying that it was like ai uh generated and what it actually was was um an artist had made the like general concept and then they had used like adobe's very specific like generative ai to help fill in certain pieces to like you know to elevate the piece that they had of, mm-hmm. you know, originally created and it's like you know 
that's like that's in my mind that's like the perfect use case right which is like uh an artist is able to you know make their entire landscape and then you know that one thing that they just can't quite get or like they can like get the base of it and then tweak it to however it fits their piece using ai just to straight up be like some fucking chad who's like give me supergirl and then her feet are backwards because you're not building any <laughs> you're not building anything for it to work off of or anything like that and then you're just like posting it and being like look what i made it's just like that that's where i right. get so much frustration with 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 uh this like fucking ai and 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 everything that it's being used for currently yeah i mean it should be used to replace it should be used to augment yeah, or like no, a, as like a nice sweetener, you know. It's not right. the cup of coffee, but it is the the creamer. Right. I mean, you know, let's say some game developer is on X one day, and they see somebody who is um, an artist who um, drew some really awesome character, and. They're like, hey, I want to use this in my game. Can I buy the right to use the general idea of this character? And then, you know, they can use AI to change it however they need to fit the game. Hmm. You know, there are options to, to do things like that. I just, I don't think that's what's going to happen. <laughs> right. Again, using it, yeah, you, you know, using it to like fill in the gaps great using it to just like completely build from from ground zero just shitty <laughs> i'm almost interested to see like what the first generative ai game looks like i mean and it's gonna be dog shit. Well, that's and that's my assumption. And so, like, I think once we get that out of the way, people will be like, "Okay, we know we can't do that now." Like, yeah. I mean, it. That's the whole issue is that like the the people who are championing. Did I say that right? Champ, champion, championing. Champion. <laughs> I think you just forgot the M. The people who are champagneing uh, yeah. <laughs> AI the most aren't putting in like any additional effort. They literally are just taking what the machine spits out, which again is like always at its core, just like dog shit. And they're just like, look at what I made. Uh, and and like, that's what it would be. There, there would be no additional work done. It's literally like doing the least amount of work and it shows, right? Like you get what you pay for which is nothing um it you know uh somebody somebody did like a completely ai like short movie or something like that and like it's just a fucking slideshow that they created and they're like this is pretty this is the this is the best thing i've created so far and i'm just like this looks like dog shit <laughs> like yeah <laughs> so but yeah to your point like it's like we need if we need those people to just like go away and of course, they're the ones who are most excited. It, you know, it's it's the whole thing with like blockchain the early and things movers. like that. Yeah, exactly. You know, they're the people who get the most excited and they fucking ruin it for everybody else. 
and then you know it's it, funny because it they're the them. most excited and they're the first movers but they're really the vocal minority because they know nothing about it it was the same with blockchain like, right it's the same reason nfts got so big was because any loser could figure it out <laughs> and unfortunately it diminished the technology right and I, I think that's the same thing that's you know all those losers who are in the nfts are now moving to ai because you know they think they're some tech genius phd and really they're just looking for clout and or think they can make like a quick buck off of this thing and again right. it's like yes them to explain it and they just copy and paste a chat gbt what is ai <laughs> right right it's like kill yourself please <laughs> And the amount have... of times and I hate to say it, I'm sorry, I'm gonna go on a complete <laughs> tangent here. The amount of times I want to comment kill yourself on LinkedIn <laughs> is is outstanding. In game, of course. In what? In game. Kill your kill yourself in game. I think for legal reasons we have to say that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah. Like, pay the $500. In GTA. Put a gun to your head. And shoot yourself. In GTA. In GTA. Right, of course. That's what we're talking about. Yes. <laughs> no, but oh, like... I was, talk I was talking about GTA role-playing. Right, yeah. <laughs> there's a whole LinkedIn thing. You, yeah, it's on. It's part of Life Invader. It's a whole thing. Yeah. It's... No, but you're, you're so right, though. Like, because it is so frustrating, because it's like... You're not willing to put in the work... And, you know, and, and then to like bring it to, to bring it fully back to, to games and stuff. Like I, I, again, I think people just see it as this way of like being able to just completely, it's again, it's just so depressing because like the human element of art in any form is like the, the most important part of it in my mind. Like, I don't know. There's nothing moving about a machine, um, just simply like stealing inspiration or whatever you want to call it from other pieces and then just lumping it all together to create something. There's no, it, it invokes no emotion. I know there was no human element behind it. I know like I, there's no story to build from it. Um, and I think I just find it so depressing that we're just so willing to take things that people enjoy and again, almost require a human element behind and we're just so willing to replace that rather than finding the mundane in all of this life in general right and and finding ways to replace those things so people can get to doing the things that they generally or genuinely enjoy doing mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it's 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 borderline depressing um and and you know again bring it back to games i think like because ai art is and I hate calling it that, but like, you know, it's such a, a, a massive thing in the zeitgeist right now is that, you know, people are just seeing it as this opportunity to to replace entirely. And it's just the it's just the absolute wrong way, I think, of utilizing uh, the power that we have. It's also like. What's getting frustrating for me is just the lack of appreciation for art now. That's yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's not easy to do. It takes I mean, it's and it's it's something that you can learn, yes, but I also feel like it's something that's inherent to you. If you're a really good artist, like I I think people find it 
cliche, but I, I think it's something that you have to be some degree of born with. Um, and it's just, you know, I, that's the one thing I'm fearful of is like, we look in 10 years from now, everything is AI generated. Are we okay with that? Or are we just like super depressed now? Cause there's no real art. There's nothing to look at. It's all just, it's all just product, you know? Yeah. A hundred percent. And like, and yeah, like you can learn and you can like, but that's the thing, right? That's what's so great about it is that like not everybody just starts off creating, you know, fucking uh, the Sistine Chapel, right? Like it, you have to work to get to that level, right? right. Um, you know, everybody starts out drawing doodles of stuff and then eventually it like can work its way to, to something more and that's like the also the beauty behind right the human element of it is that like you can see the actual growth of it over time i guess theoretically as the machine learns and gets better you'll be able to see the growth of it because again it'll get hands right finally but like <laughs> and and there's just like something about like how every single ai image kind of has that like same feel behind it which is just like just gives me a dread feeling. Um, and I hate to think about the fact that like there are genuine artists who would create work like that previously, and it would take an immense amount of time to do it and to get the details and everything like that. And now if I see something like that, I'm also just sitting here going like, is this AI? Because I feel a sense of dread because it looks so similar to anything that is AI generated. Right. Have you seen... I think it's a Salesforce commercial with the Matthew, Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey. Oh my God. Yeah. I was going to bring it up. Have you noticed the shoes are backwards? Yeah. It bothers me every fucking time. And, you know, I just saw that commercial uh, this past weekend. And I think Justine was sitting in the room with me. And after the commercial, I was like, I have no idea what that commercial was for. Mm -hmm. Because, like, Salesforce has a very ironic, like, marketing demeanor so like but having matthew mcconaughey in the commercial doesn't help he's also <laughs> got a very like ironic marketing demeanor like you don't know if he's trying to be serious or like making fun of a situation um and i'm like i don't know if salesforce was trying to say generative ai in terms of like making pictures or in general i don't know is a joke and we're just going to make light of it. Or if they're saying, we know how to use AI. And if you want to advance your business, work with us, like use our CRM because we know we have AI. Like, but I just, I, I, I sat so quietly on the couch after I saw the commercial. I was just like, I don't, I don't know what they were trying to get at. All and I like, can take away from it is that when it pops up and says Salesforce and it it starts as zoomed in on the shoe, all I can see is for like the next 16 shots of it changing, the shoe is backwards. And that is the only yeah. thing I take away from it. And it fucking hurts. It like hurts me. It makes my chest hurt. I, I'm, I'm Googling right now. Like... <laughs> Were they serious? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I was going to search. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. It's um 
again, it, it's 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 a shame because like one we uh, again like just to to reel it back in like we know it's in games we know the use for it is great like um you know having having like some sort of system where like the computer you know the the ai of the game is like learning your moves right and like getting better at like i'm just thinking of like a stealth game right where like you're going into the bad guy's warehouse and you take it out in such a way. So then the next time as you're getting closer to, to the headquarters or something like that, the next warehouse or level design that you go into has something that is specifically set up to impede your progress based on how you completed the first one. Right. And like, it's because the the villain is like learning like oh i know your tricks you know um and like having like a use case like that and like learning off of your style and stuff like that is like such an incredible and like worthwhile uh use case and then to like even go a step back and to like think about it from like a gaming perspective right where it's like if or uh, not gaming sorry like a sports perspective right where it's like if you're playing madden and you keep calling a like a, a defensive play to stop the pass, right? And you just keep doing it over and over again. If the computer somehow is still just like passing the ball, right? And calling pass plays, it's like, that's not fun, you know? Like, mm-hmm. no, the computer should learn, like, I'm just going to run the damn ball and I'll, like keep running it until you find a way to stop the run, right? And like, it should be learning off of that great use cases you know using using potentially using ai to to have a different fan instead of the same fan every three in the stands great use case <laughs> but, right yeah yeah not see like the same motion going through your eyes <laughs> back <clears throat> so i do have one like one quick conundrum that i would, would kind of like to hear your thoughts on sure and that has to do with like large language model Speech. So, like, being able to um, type what you want to say to a character in-game and, um, like, anything you want to say, and they'll respond to it. Um, I, I saw, I don't know if, you've, if your Twitter has been inundated with this, too, but a company called Rabbit, they're releasing um, a little, like, square AI device. It's, like, not a phone, but kind of a phone uh I, uh I don't know if you've seen that at all i don't think so okay well it's a device that got put up for pre-orders yesterday and i don't think anybody really knows why it exists but the, before the company released this they actually did a mod for cyberpunk called i think it was like the cyberpunk quantum update or something like that but it allows you to type whatever you want to say in the game. Interesting. Um, and apparently it works pretty well. And, like, I'm just curious as to what you think about that without trying to lead it one way or the other. I guess if I'm thinking about it right, the idea is that then the computer character would respond uh like 
in a way that makes sense based on what you had typed. Right. And I imagine there's some degree of, like, tuning that's involved. So, like... I mean... You couldn't ask a bot about like when the next Xbox is going to come out and it actually give you a meaningful response. You know, right. I think they kind of tune it to the actual story of the game. I mean, I think like. I mean, I feel like there would be a way to do something like that. And and be able to bake in just like so many different options based on like what is expected of a user right i mean the use case for it seems pretty cool and like it could be very immersive mm -hmm. and like help to drive immer immersion in a game but is it, like, I don't know, I also sit here and go, like, is it really necessary? Especially well, in a game that has a story it's trying to tell. Like, I wouldn't, like, I, I, I can sit here and be like, I wouldn't really want to play Cyberpunk and just be able to, like, respond however I want. Unless the idea is then that I'm, like, building my own story off of it. And I really don't want to do that because that shit's going to get out of hand real fast. Right. I think there's... I think I've I kind of have two thoughts on it. One, I mean, if you have it that like you have to ask questions and there's no like prompt options, mm -hmm. you know, obviously there's labor implications because you're not gonna hire writers and things like that. Um I think my perfect implementation of it is so I'll I'll stick to Cyberpunk. I think it's a really good example because I think the dialogue in that game was super robust. So in that game when you're having a conversation with somebody, there are like yellow options that are like the mandatory. This is what keeps driving the story forward. Mm -hmm. And then there are blue options, which are just optional, additional information or just fun or things like that. I think there's a use case where like the yellow, the yellow text like options are always there. That's what's mm -hmm. needed for the story. So it keeps moving. You don't make a complete abomination out of it. <laughs> mm -hmm. But I think you get rid of the blue options and then you can like free type in there to maybe get additional information. Because in that case, like you would use an LLM so the game could interpret what you said and then give mm -hmm. an appropriate answer. Or if there isn't one, you know, you just give a generic, like, I don't know, or something like that. But, like, that kind of gives you a little extra level of immersion because you actually have to pay attention to the conversation and think of things that you need additional details on. And then you can just type or, like, if it's on PlayStation, like, talk into the mic and have it translate, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, I think stuff like that's cool. Or, you know, there's the romance options, like, instead of just having, like, the same three prompts every time you want to talk to, like, Judy or Pan Am or any of the other romance options in Cyberpunk, like, you can just type whatever you want and it's just casual conversation within certain constraints. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, it does. Absolutely. And 
I think like how you laid it out is definitely a pretty um, solid use case for it. My thought is, isn't that like old text-based games, basically? Where like... Yeah, kind of like Oregon Trail. You know what I mean? Where it's like, you have to like, you have to think about like, oh, check out, check out the bush to the left. And it's just like, there's nothing, you know? And like a majority of the time you may receive the the response of like, no, I don't know, or whatever to your point. But like, to have like more hidden details that you could potentially scrape by going through like conversation and stuff is like a pretty neat and like more immersive way of getting you into a game. And I think the reason we kind of got away from that was because of consoles, you know, sure. Good, a good solution for a keyboard and a console. really hasn't existed. Like there have been chat pads. Yes, but they never really took off. But, sure. You know, I think the difference now with the technology is you could use speech if you're at home and it would be able to translate your voice a lot more accurately than it ever has been able to. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could still use a keyboard, you know, if that's what you wanted to do. But yeah, I don't know. I think that would be a good application for it. And yeah, I don't yeah and i mean like again like it's like one of those things where it's you know as we look at like advancements and stuff like that you don't want to just completely impede progress by just like not wanting anything to change right um so like it's just it's just a shame to me that we don't think about like further use cases outside of just the most surface level thing how like what is the what is the easiest thing that we can use X, Y, or Z for instead of like thinking about it more and like figuring out how it actually will like better, you know, the, the, the work and stuff like that. It's just like, well, how can we just replace instead? Yeah. Um, it's frustrating. And it's especially frustrating because obviously we talked about it a good bit last year and it's already we're as of recording this, we're 11 days into the new year and just already a bunch of layoffs have happened. I think somebody said that we are already a third of the way to last year's number in layoffs this year. Um, and that's the 11th of January. Exactly. And it's just like to, to see both, you know, to see like the rise in uh, the rise in like desire to use AI coupled with the rise of layoffs is just like, again, it's just like depressing more than anything. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think it's a phase we're not going to be able to avoid, but I do think there will be a reckoning on the industry. I'm sure. I hope. Like, I hope there's a reckoning. Not that I, you know, I, I kind of hope somebody comes to their senses and says, well, hold on. Right. People want to complain about unions, but a pretty solid way to avoid unions is to not use AI to replace working people. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. So. um, 
Yeah, I don't, I don't really have anything else on AI. Yeah. Shall we talk about Xbox? Yeah, let's do it. Been a while. It has been a while. Uh, so as of this recording, if you're listening to it the day that this comes out, Xbox is having a developer direct is the name of it, correct? Yep. Um, they're having that today, the 18th. I think could be, I don't know. (laughs) I hope. Um, but anyway, uh, we're recording this before the direct regardless of the day. So, um, we know that that's coming as we're talking, but there have been a lot of rumors, uh, circulating about Xbox and the potential for some of their games to make their way to other consoles. I think the main one, that's been talked about and that has kind of like gotten the discussion going was Hi-Fi Rush. Um, apparently a site like posted a rating for it or something like that for both Switch and, and PlayStation. Is that right? I've definitely seen the Switch. I have not seen it for PlayStation. Okay. Doesn't mean it's not true. I just haven't seen it. I've, I've really only seen the conversation around Switch. Okay. Um, not the which consoles and stuff like that doesn't really matter. The the idea that an Xbox game may be living somewhere beyond Xbox is kind of the purpose of this uh, conversation because a lot of people have really done like the pearl clutching of um, Xbox shouldn't put their games on other consoles. And I thought it was uh, worth like kind of having the discussion. You know, is it, is it, you know, necessarily bad for Xbox to to do this? Um, since you're more so in the Xbox ecosystem, you know, like what what does this do to you? You know, like how, what are your thoughts on this? Do you really see this as like a major negative to Xbox? Do you see um, maybe it's like a bit of both? There's some positives, there's some negatives. There's only positives to gain. What What are your thoughts? Yeah, I I think it's really bad timing for this. At this point, I think it's just a rumor. Like, I don't think it's really been substantiated by mm-hmm. any means. Um, uh, last month, you know, the numbers came out that the PlayStation sold the Xbox, outsold the Xbox three to one. And so now, of course, the discourse started like, oh, Xbox is going to get out of hardware and only do software and all that and um it's a reasonable thing to think especially now they're talking you know the rumors that hi-fi rush is going to be coming to other consoles um i personally for me i don't really care um like i don't think every game should come to playstation a game like hi-fi rush though you know it was a shadow drop on game pass um really really well received it got multiple game awards nominations mm-hmm. it's been a, almost a year since it was announced well and came out really i mean it was shadow dropped at this event last year i think mm-hmm. i think it was a little later in the year but um you know i don't blame them for trying to get some more money out of it for on on areas where the game would have to be bought outright um i also think you know releasing it on 
switch is a very good strategic move as well because it was kind of their it was proof of their efforts to get into like rpg and jrpg style games and mm-hmm. games that would probably appeal to like the asian market so i mean putting it on a console that's based out of the asian market makes a lot of sense to me uh, i think it would do really well on the switch so um you know i think in this particular instance it's a net good for xbox uh you know i i think you had mentioned you know possible rumors of like pr rumors people saying that halo is going to go to playstation like i don't see that right i don't see games like halo um gears of war the forza games like i don't see those leaving xbox i just don't i don't think that makes sense but like hi-fi rush was technically a bethesda game right and you know they've already kind of proven their model is not really going to be gatekeeping bethesda uh of course starfield is a console exclusive right now but that was just such a big deal that made sense i think with um, starfield hasn't really had the continued success i think everyone was expecting maybe they will launch it on playstation and get a, a larger user base so it makes sense to update it Yeah. I mean, it's it's such an interesting conversation to have because I feel like for some time now, basically since PlayStation has started to release games on like and do PC releases, uh whether or not the the releases always go over well um is one thing, but I think there's something to be said about getting, you know, getting your games into the hands of more people um, while still ensuring that like your player base um, gets the inherent value that they deserve from having bought your hardware, right? Um, I think the concept of like a game going to another like console or something like that as like an automatic negative is just kind of dumb to put it like simply um like it doesn't hurt it like i i don't understand why people act like it's hurting them specifically when that happens but i do think like had starfield been like across all consoles upon release maybe starfield's not a good example but like yeah if like the next halo game was all of a sudden released across all consoles i could understand having a gripe there because it's like what's what's the point of of having an xbox if like i don't if i'm not receiving like a specific benefit if i can if i can play every game but then there's like specific games that i can only play on playstation why wouldn't i just have a playstation or something like that so i can understand like somewhat of the thought process um but yeah i mean i think like there's specific games and like hi-fi rush makes a ton of sense i think to your point where it's like this just makes sense to get it at the very least yeah like onto the switch you know it's like a rhythm game um it's got like this like uh comic slash anime type art style um 
two things that are going to go over well, like you said, in like the Asian market, uh, and putting it on a console that is just like filled with those types of games. Um, yeah, great, great business move. I think what annoys me about this like conversation so much is that <laughs> I think people just like still want to think that Xbox is like dumb and aren't fully thinking through these moves. And I just think that's such a dumb assumption to have. Um, I mean, Microsoft has been a business. This will be their 40th anniversary, mm -hmm. I believe, for the whole organization. Like, Xbox itself isn't working in a box, you know? Mm -hmm. Xbox. They have people with this experience who have seen how to how to get through not being a market leader you know yeah if you um, if you can't if you can't keep up with the hardware sales of your competitor doesn't it make sense to try and capitalize on people who are in that ecosystem in some way yeah you know what i mean like Again, I think I I I really wouldn't be surprised if like do we know is there planned DLC for Starfield? I think there's at least one. Okay. Cuz so I think if you bought the deluxe edition or whatever you got whatever the first DLC is going to be. I like I wouldn't be surprised if like 2 years from now right at the tail right at the end of the generation so maybe three years from now. I wouldn't be really that surprised if suddenly Starfield gets like a collector's edition released on PS5. It's $70. It's the game plus the DLC. And there it is. You can play it now on PS5 if you want. Like it wouldn't really be that surprising. And it would be a really smart way to try and like squeeze whatever juice you can still get out of this thing. That's been out now for how long? You know, right. it, it's no different. Really, it it is no different to me than what place. I love how PlayStation does it. It's like, look, you're in the PlayStation ecosystem. You bought this hardware, so you have the capabilities of playing all these games day one. We won't give them to you at a subscription fee. You'll still have to pay full price, but you can play all these games. And then a year, two years, three years, whatever it takes. We got all the we you know we got all those initial sales and stuff like that 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 we were going to get out of this. It's now reached somewhat of a plateau. Why don't we push this to another market? So you put it out on PC and you get PC players to to buy the game and get to experience and and more people experiencing games is a net positive. I think just about no matter what. Um, if you want to see uh, a game get like more love and you want to see it you know have the opportunity to like pursue a sequel or something like that like sometimes it needs like that additional proof um sometimes it needs to be better than just a, a zombie horde game that has some of the worst dialogue i've ever heard you know <laughs> so <laughs> um yeah this is kind of the direction I would like to see the entire industry move into. I know this won't happen. I mm -hmm. think I think Sony's a little too hardline for this, but 
you know, you make a good point in people need to have value in loyalty to one brand. Like I bought your hardware. I should have some sort of benefit benefit that somebody who bought a PlayStation shouldn't have. And I think that benefit is like subscription services mm-hmm. um, like Game Pass. So the way that I would really like to see the market move is there will still be different different consoles. There will be PlayStations and and honestly, I think Nintendo is going to keep doing what they're doing. They've got no reason to get in this. They should keep making Mario games and only have it on Nintendo. So mm-hmm. they're exempt to this. But like PlayStation and and Xbox really should be releasing their games. And I'm not saying day one, just eventually. Mm-hmm. Two other consoles. Okay, your benefit is you get to play the game for the first year before... Somebody on PlayStation. There's an added benefit. But also, it's on Game Pass. So you just choose what ecosystem you like. Do you like Game Pass or do you like the PlayStation Plus collection? Mm -hmm. Um, Or do you like the first-party games more? And your benefit is you save money because you're not going to have to buy the games outright. And you get them first. But, like you said, it has the opportunity to go to another platform, grow even more... And, you know, I think games get ultimately better the more people play them. Mm -hmm. And you have the added benefit of, like, putting it on and getting to a player base that didn't play, like, didn't have the opportunity to play the game. And now you have the opportunity to try and sway that user's, like, bias in your favor. Because, like, if, if it's such a great experience, right? Like, oh, my God, God of War 2018 was so fantastic. I am going to get the next PlayStation console because I want to play the next God. I want to know that I can play the next God of War game day one. You know, you like you have that potential with the with like doing this sort of thing. And and you know, I I think we were kind of saying it too. Uh, I think there's certain games that just like shouldn't make that jump. You know, I think it like doesn't make sense. But you know, to try and come up with like a few like PlayStation IPs that makes sense to try and push across like honestly horizon doesn't like i i I know people love to like make it out to be this like flagship playstation ip but in my opinion it's like naughty dog is and uh santa monica and outside of that i really don't get why it matters a ton uh i I would say ratchet and clank because it's just such a long-standing um uh series but like you know the Spider-Man games. Fuck it. Who cares? I get it. The the, the the whole Sony license and stuff. So you might as well like milk it for what you have. Um, but yeah, like uh, Ghost of Tsushima. Um, Knack, Gravity Rush. Like, fuck it. Put them. Get them out to other people. Um, I only see a benefit to it, and, and it's such a shame because like I feel like. Uh, we, I think someone talked about when we were like predicting this year, but it's like, we don't see like, we don't see risks anymore when it comes to like content creation or media creation, you know, whether it's across movies, TV, but like specifically in video games, it's all about these like big budget games anymore. Nobody takes a risk on a game like gravity rush or knack, you know, we'll never see, I feel like something like that again, you know, it's, it's all, it's all solely focused on, you know the the big narratives and stuff from sony um they they don't try to do anything that's just like you know concrete genie uh to like really cut deep it's like 
uh, we'll never see something like that again, I feel like. Yeah, I, and it's funny because, you know, I was thinking about games that I've played in this generation that were really different. And the first one that came to mind was 12 Minutes. Mm. Do you remember that game at all? Yep. But that was just a small studio. Like, I think they were published by Annapurna, which, like, usually a good marker of success but <laughs> yeah um like the the mechanic of that game was just so interesting and but but yeah i mean every xbox game is the same i mean that's just that's just something you cannot deny xbox has zero innovation in their stories but they but what they put out is usually solid but mm -hmm. you know you should know you're going to play a first person something um you know the racing games are solid but they're never going to change um i i think forza horizon is cool but that was an innovation made in the 360 era um yeah i just i don't know a game is gaming getting boring it's getting predictable, I think. Is that why AI is <laughs> going to be building all the games for the next 20 years? It's because it's easy to predict what it is that needs to go to market right. and stuff? Well, you, you feed every game that you've produced. Like, you have it play every game that you've produced and say, okay, now make another game. Yeah. Going to be that simple at some point, I think. Yeah, I, the the need for for variety and creativity is is I think hitting it's like starting to hit an all-time high because I feel like we had a decent bit of it on the last console and tail end of that console into now is it feels like we're getting fed the, a lot of the same thing over and over and over again. Yeah. Um But yeah, I just think uh, I, I think at its core, the argument of, against like releasing outside of your own console, it, it all just comes down to kind of like bullshit, dumb console war stuff more than anything. Yeah. Um, you know, and and console war and fanboying and stuff like that at its core is is the concept of like I just want to feel like I got value for my purchase. Um. But I think there again, like I think there's a way for you to feel comfortable in that statement and to still have the opportunity for growth on a specific game. And yeah, man, if there if there's not a more perfect example of a game that I think is like perfect for that idea, it's Hi-Fi Rush. You know, uh, it's like small, relatively like uh, unassuming. You know, and and yeah. has the capabilities of like just doing so much if it gets into the right hands. And case in point is even in a small pool of like, because when you release a, an exclusive, that's that's what you're doing. You're 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 limiting your reach. Um, it's still managed to get all of these high praises and stuff like that, right? So can only can only go further in that regard so i think we've said it before and you know 
hopefully we don't have a ton of acquisitions to talk about this year but as gaming goes it's it's all but inevitable but like you know consolidating and stuff like that really is 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 only going to hurt the industry finding finding ways to to branch out and expand and 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 get other people to to play your games and stuff like that can only I feel like there can only be a positive from that. I really, I really find it hard to to think about the negatives outside of um, you know pissing off the just most vocal minority possible. Yeah, I I think really the the solution in my head is stick to platform exclusivity in terms of like Game Pass and the PlayStation Collection, um, and know that you're not going to have the seventy dollar price tag. Mm-hmm to to play the game but the people who bought the other console will but i i think that's a you know i would rather have to pay the premium than not have the option right a hundred percent a hundred percent and not and like the premium not be a 500 dollars console on top of a 70 dollars <laughs> game right right yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Um, yeah, it's, it's just so interesting, and obviously, like we don't even know what's what's truly going to happen, but um, it'll definitely be interesting. It'll be interesting to see all of the the hot takes on it. But I think at the end of the day, um, one, it's not worth getting worked up over, and two, um, there's plenty of benefit to to glean from it. Yeah. Um anything else? Anything else about Oh, also the one thing I was going to mention is um back when I was saying how like uh you know people think Xbox doesn't think about these things and they just kinda like fly by the seat of their pants. If you remember the the you know during the whole FTC and stuff like that when Xbox accidentally released a ton of their own like comms and stuff like that without the redactions there was that email that phil spencer had had wrote about you know potentially trying to acquire nintendo right and like people people really took that and ran with it but i think the key thing in that was he said like my goal is to get nintendo to realize that there is value outside of just having their games on their hardware so like there's value in and so you know it's something that they like that like clearly is like thought about right like there is absolutely more value out there it's just a matter of like i think for nintendo like you were saying like hoarding mario is is probably actually the right decision because mm-hmm. that's that's all you need you need to just promise one mario game and you you're selling consoles like you're selling hardware like hotcakes at that point um but yeah, like you know, there's but there's other opportunities for sure um, to to branch out and to to hit other player bases and stuff. Make Metroid multi-platform. That'd be sick. Maybe then you would get some uh, those games would actually be coming out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I think for Nintendo, like yeah, keep Mario, keep Zelda. Anything else, like. And maybe that's what Microsoft's doing here. They're trying to set the example, you know, 
have their probably best performing game last year, which is amazing to say, mm-hmm. and put it on their console. Yeah. And again, I and like I think it makes sense for like those again for like those types of games. You know, it it would maybe be hard for a long-standing franchise to to you know it'd, it'd be it'd be weird. You know, it 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 feel it feel funny to see. Uh, it feels funny to see Crash on on Xbox, right? Like you know, yeah. you know, people people like will make that joke, even though Crash was no longer a console exclusive. I think as early as the GameCube. Um, but yeah, it's just uh, you know. It's it's uh there's definitely a, a a nice mix to be able to to do this I think right and to have it feel and and to to receive the most benefit from it. Yeah. Um. All right. Well, I think that does it. Developer direct. We're not gonna bother talking about that because it's today. Yeah, because it's today, and yeah, what we know, I guess, is there something that you're especially excited for? I think Indiana Jones. We're supposed to get more information about that. Yeah, I'm excited to see Indiana Jones. I gotta be honest with you. I hope they have a release date for Hellblade because I'm sick of that being like Xbox's (laughs) like maiden game right now. It's at every single event we see. Yeah, more it's like we more get it. It's yeah. coming out, and just it looks fantastic. It, yeah, does not ex- like we get it. We know this is coming out. What else are you doing? Yeah, but I I think the the rather far fetched uh, thought that I've seen right now is that they're going to show Forza Horizon Six. Oh, interesting. Um. I don't know. I think it's a little too soon for that. Like we know that'll probably come out in 2025, mm-hmm. but I think we'll see it over the summer. I was gonna say maybe we see it at their uh, game summer games fest uh, show. Yeah, that would yeah that would make sense. They might at least say like I think it's a pretty known fact that they are working on it. Mm-hmm. So I they might like just say like yeah we're definitely doing this, but I don't think they're gonna show anything. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 excited to see what like I I haven't admittedly looked to see too much else at, at like too much else that's been like confirmed, but um yeah, I'm I'm excited to hopefully see some more stuff that they showed over the past summer. There I I thought that showcase was, you know, incredible and had me really hyped for a lot of stuff that they were working on, so I'm excited to see if we have any more updates on on those games and where they're at and when maybe they're expected to to actually release i i just hope they show something for contraband yeah because they haven't in four years mm-hmm. <laughs> um or at least say it's dead i don't know <laughs> One or yeah, I don't, people people think something's gonna get shadow dropped again and it's like come on now i think if anything's gonna get shadow dropped it's gonna be hellblade yeah, it'd be nice if something got shadow dropped, but I think that being the expectation is, yeah, you're, and you're setting yourself be, up to be disappointed. And then people are going to be pissed and say Xbox sucks, and it's like, well, you had an unreasonable expectation just of because course. they did it once and yeah. it was phenomenal. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, we'll 100%. see. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm excited for it too, and the obviously that'll be the probably the main thing and 
maybe the only thing that we really talk about next week. Um, so tune in for the recap there. Um, but yeah, other than that, thank you all so much for listening. If you could leave us a rating or review wherever you do listen to the podcast, it'd be greatly appreciated. And if you could just share it with a friend, that'd also be great. And we'll talk to you next week and talk about the developer direct.